Amen. Good morning, Grace Point. Go Chiefs. Hallelujah. Y'all just need to pray more. Y'all would hear the Lord. Amen. Good to see you today. Turn around and shake somebody's hand this morning. Welcome to the Grace Point Church. Tell them how good they're looking today. Amen. Open your Bibles if you have them with us. We'll put it on the screen as well. Colossians chapter 2 and uh, verses 8 through 15. Colossians chapter 2 verses 8 through 15. Paul writing to the church, to the saints at Colossia, and he tells them to beware lest anyone cheat you out of something. And he said they'll do it through philosophy, through empty deceit, and things that are traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world. In other words, living non-spiritual just out of basic things, basic needs, basic wants, flesh, in other words, and not according to Christ. Now notice this theme here. Five times you're going to see either the words in him or with him. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. What an amazing statement. And you are complete in him. Look at it, look at to somebody to your left and right and tell them you are complete in him. You are complete in him. You're not complete out of him, without him. But if you're in Christ, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. So you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. In him you were, past tense, also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. You didn't have anything to do with this. By putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. In other words, God says, I'm not going to try to fix the old you. I'm going to crucify the old you with my son and give you a brand new. A new, new spirit, born again. All right. And it says, buried with him in baptism, in which you also were, past tense, raised with him through faith in the working of God, not your works. All our faith is in what God did, in the working of God who raised him from the dead. In other words, when, so when Christ was crucified, you was crucified. Everybody knows in the church just about it that Jesus died for you. Most Christians are still struggling with the fact that Jesus died as you. Not only did he die for you, he died as you. So wherever he went, you went. In other words, you were crucified with Christ. Paul says that over and over. You were buried with him. And if you were buried with him, you were also raised with him. It don't matter if you feel raised with him or not. You were raised with him from the dead, it says. And in verse 13, and you, Paul says, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has, past tense, made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Now, how many does, is all? You know what the Greek word for all is? All. That means the one you hadn't even committed yet. 
Because if it's all, it's all. Having wiped out the handwritings of requirements, that's the old covenant, that was against us, which was contrary to us. There was, the problem was not in the old covenant. The problem was not in the Ten Commandments or the hundreds of commandments in the old law. The problem was that we couldn't keep it. And so what God did, he says that he, he wiped that out, that requirement that, that, brought, that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. By doing so, he disarmed principalities and powers. You don't have to gather at the church and pray that the principality over Valdosta will go away. Jesus already did that. That messes up a lot of people's prayer ministry. When you realize that Jesus did what he said he did, he disarmed. If you have disarmed a person, they have no weapon. So he's disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Amen? Now, man, I've just read some powerful, powerful section of the new covenant. So powerful what Jesus accomplished uh, for us. And so what I titled this that will probably aggravate some folks is the myth of brokenness. The myth of brokenness, and if you and I did this yesterday. If you Google sermons on brokenness, they are all preaching to declare this. In other words, sermon after sermon is the blessing of brokenness, the benefits of brokenness. You know, and it's just sermon after sermon after sermon uh, uh, exhorting us to be broken, and how good brokenness is. And that if we are real good Christian, that we'll be broken. And I too remember laying across an altar as a Christian, praying and saying prayers like, "His Father, break me, break me," and and, and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, I, I, this is something that I've—it's been on my heart for a, a few weeks now. I just want to go after this. I want you to see the truth. You'll find not one verse, not one, in the whole New Testament. It says anything where any believer of any kind, any apostle, any person ever uh, confesses brokenness. Not one. If it's so popular, you think there'd be at least one verse about it. You go to the old covenant, you can find you some. And so the preachers that preach on brokenness, that you're supposed to be broken, guess where they go? To the old covenant. And that's where they, they, they preach from that because that's the only verses they've got. And how many knows there's all the things that are written in the Bible are for us, but they're not all written to us. And, and you've got to see the time that they were written in. And so that's what I want to deal with this morning. I'm just going to let you be seated this morning. And sometimes we get confused because a verse, for example, Psalm 51 and 17. Now, most if, you, if you're real familiar with Psalm 51, you know that's David's repentant prayer, you could say, confessing his sin, praying to God about, the sin of Bathsheba, murder, and all that he was involved with, right? And so he's talking to God about that. And what he says in verse 17 of that chapter, he says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. So a lot of people take that verse, extract it out of that context, and they, 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 that's where they, they'll talk about it, preach from it, and say you should be broken. See right there, that's what God receives is a broken spirit and a contrite heart. But 
you got to understand David is in the old covenant. He's not in the new covenant, and he's talking to God. David also said in verse 11, just a couple of few verses above that, he says, Don't cast, do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Don't you know how wrong it would be for a new covenant Christians to pray that? In other words, if we pray and say, Oh God, uh, don't take away your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. We are calling Jesus a liar. So how it was appropriate and proper for King David to pray that prayer in the old covenant. But it is improper for us to pray and claim that prayer today. It has no place because God promised us in the new covenant, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. I, I, you I, when you got born again, you've been made one spirit with the Lord. He does not come and go depending on your behavior. God does not sit in a swivel seat, nor is he a revolving door. But So you, you, you need to understand that. That's where we get uh, confused on this stuff. And so really it's just one, one really main big idea that I want to get across today. And, and I do want you to repent today if you need to. And when I say repent, we mean what? Huh? Change the way you think. And I do want you to confess today. The word confess, you should know by now, means to say the same thing that God says. In other words, to agree. It's the, it's the Greek word homo logos. Homo, same thing. Logos, word of God. So agree with God. So when you confess, the average Christian thinks confess sin. In Romans 10 is the chapter, we, we won't spend no time on it, but just to hit it and move, Romans 10 tells you how to be born again. And it uses the word confess, but what God wants you to confess is Jesus and his righteousness, which is now yours, and to agree with God on that. And the word sin doesn't appear in the whole chapter. Wow. What about that? It's different, isn't it? The Bible's different than the way we do church a lot of places. So now we come to this about brokenness. So this is what, and I don't mean this mean, and I don't mean like I've arrived and I'm smarter than everybody else, okay? But I'm not going to apologize for truth. Amen. So what I could do right now as a preacher that's done this for 34 years, I could work you. And I don't mean that preachers that do this are doing this with intentionality. They may be doing it out of just sheer ignorance and repetition and repeating what they've seen done to them. But I could say, how many of you have been really hurt by your dad or your mom? How many was abused? How many was wounded and hurt by that? And, and you've gone through some tough times. And, and I can just start talking about all that type stuff. And I can have you crying. Then I right on the heels of that, I can give an altar call for all of you that are broken and wounded, and I can call it ministry. And all of it would just be wrong. I used to have this guy, and, and I love this guy. I met him up, and I won't even say the state. won't get all specific. But anyway, uh, I met this guy. Uh, me and my wife was at a, a ministry conference many, many years ago. And I met this guy, and, and I, you know, he was singing and playing the piano. And, and we just went in this hotel we were staying in and sat and listened to him. He was Christian songs. And so we just, then we hung out and met the guy afterwards and, Anyway, found out he was a big ministry family, and, and he was a preacher as well. And so I had him come to my church. 
And his whole ministry was to, to minister to the brokenhearted, to the broken, to, you know, to the broken and the wounded. And you see a lot of that on Facebook. I'm, you know, my ministry is to the broken. And I'm for that, by the way. But the people that are broken are people that are not born again. But most of the time when people say their ministry is to the broken, they're talking about to the broke Christians. You're not, not, not only are you not broke, you ain't even bent. <laughs> this is really a big deal. And there is this thing called ministry where you keep Christians in a constant reminder of their brokenness and that they're broken, which gives you a job to minister to their brokenness. And it's entirely non-New Testament. So this guy came to church and he does all the thing to the broken and the altars fill up and they're crying and he's laying on hands and he's praying for them. And then he comes back the next year and with the exact same message, with the exact same thing. And I noticed as the pastor of that church, the exact same people came to the altar every time the guy came. And after about the third year of this, I told my wife, I said, I don't seem like we're accomplishing nothing here. Because... He, those people love this guy's ministry because he talks to them about all the stuff that they've gone through and, and they come and respond to that and they commiserate all of that and he prays for them and maybe they feel a little better because it's more like bless your heart, you know, sorry that happened, you know, just hang in there, you know, rapture's coming for long. And even way back then, something in my heart said, I just can't do this no more. So I didn't have the guy no more. Well, because I was mad at the guy, I just said, we're not accomplishing anything. They said it this morning, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. When did the sun set you free? When you believed in him. I mean, he, he actually accomplished it on the cross, but the day you believed in it is the day you were free. So you can say, well, I'm a Christian, I'm in bondage. You're not in bondage, you're in unbelief. Your problem is not any lacking thing. You don't lack anything. I just read to you where you are complete in him. Now, either that's true or it's not. So you're complete in him, and it says you've received, when you received Christ, you received the fullness of God. You didn't receive the halfness. You didn't receive the one-quarterness. More, God. We just need more of you and less of me. Help me, Jesus. I'm desperate for you, Lord. <laughs> I know that's going to get me some stuff. That, hello, Facebook. God bless y'all. It's, it's, it, what the problem is unbelief in what Jesus accomplished. And if you're going to confess something, which I do want you to confess, I want you to agree with God, and I want you to stay, say, I am complete in him. I lack nothing. I have no deficiency. There's nothing in me that is broken. See, some of y'all look at me like, y'all don't know where to say amen. It's not because, see, you feel broken. And you have been wounded. But you've you got to understand that that did not occur. In other words, you're, you are triune. You are spirit, soul, and body. You are a born-again spirit, which is molecule for molecule. When you got born again, it's just like Jesus. You are as holy as Jesus is. You are as righteous as Jesus in your spirit. You do not manifest the fullness of that 
out here in the natural where we can all see it. I get that, and I hope you get that. But that don't mean that you were given a deficient spirit or that you're giving something where you lacked anything because the Bible says you lack nothing. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 2 and 3 said, You've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness through Christ Jesus. You've received everything. You don't have any deficiency. So you don't, your problem is not that you need more of Jesus. Lord, I pray that I decrease so that you can increase. What a joke. That's not what the scripture says. We got the, ver we got the words backward. Listen, I've told you this before. The moon don't have to pray to decrease so that the sun can come up in the morning. The moon only gets this light, whatever light it has. It's just a mere reflection of that that the sun gives it. Right? So all we need is just let God arise and his enemies be scattered. You understand? Let the sun come up and we don't, you forget the moon still. Sometimes right in the middle of the day you can look up. And sometimes I can just look up at the sky and there's right the moon. But nobody's paying attention to it. Why? Because the sun is so much brighter than that. It's so much larger than that. So, so much more powerful than that. Right? And so this is, so you got to understand that, that, that this thing that goes for ministry, that, that, that just perpetuates your, you know, and, and keeps telling you as a born, and I'm talking to born again believers, you are not broken. And again, there's not one verse in the whole New Testament that ever alludes to or says that about any person in any way. It's simply not there. All the New Testament is filled with admonitions and telling you what God accomplished through Christ Jesus. And when you receive Christ, you receive the fullness of God. You received everything you would ever need to live this life and be that that God called you to be, desires you to be. And I'm not saying that there is not a place in ministry. I'm not saying that there's no place to minister to the soul of man, which is his mind, will, and emotions, where those wounds occurred and took, took place. But, but to, to keep telling that Christian that they're broken. I, I remember growing up in church, and I remember we had one pastor, and his prayer for everybody all the time was, Lord, make them complete, whole, Missing nothing, heal their brokenness, and all that kind of stuff, and it was just, and that was always for believers. Now, if you're not born again, you you broke and, and you're messed up. Your spirit's dead. The Bible says that you are dead in trespasses and sin, and that's what your whole life has been is trying to figure out why you feel dead on the inside or something's missing on the inside. Or yeah, I'll try that drug, or I'll try this, or I'll try that because you're trying to you're trying to you're trying to heal that thing. And nothing will do that other than Jesus. So, but when, when Jesus comes in and takes residence in you, when Christ in you, the hope of glory, and you're in Christ, but Christ in you, and, and if any man be in Christ. So it, everything Paul says five times in there, in Christ. He tells us that the position of everything is in Christ, is in Christ. And so, when, when, and, and so what you have to do in your life as a New Testament Christian is you confess what God says about you. You've got to stop. Because see, he says here that if you don't do this, then you're being cheated through philosophy. You're allowing empty deceit, the things that are traditions of men. And a lot of things are traditions of men are taught in the church's doctrine. And these things have been told you and you're to confess your brokenness. And I don't care if it's a great pastor. And I know, a, I know some pastors that are very popular and preach to more people than I do. And they have whole series on the blessing of brokenness. 
but you're not broken anymore. Now, if they're saying blessing is brokenness to the believer that, you know, the unbeliever, because they realize they're broken and they need Jesus, but when Jesus puts you together, he don't put you together broke. You're not broke anymore. And if we would have Christians just to confess what God says about them, their life that they live today would be a totally different life than what they're living. Because there is so much ministry out there. I couldn't find, I typed in my title. I, I like to do that sometimes if I say, well, I want, because I feel like I, I come up with terrible titles. But anyway, so I just put a title in there and I just said, The Myth of Broken. I couldn't find one sermon on that. Man, that's, that's a big search. On, you telling me there ain't one out there? Made me question whether I wanted to preach that. Not one sermon I could find on Google that said, The Myth of Brokenness. But when I put that in, sermon after sermon, the blessing of brokenness, the benefit of brokenness, be, you know, be broke and enjoy it kind of deal, whatever. I mean, it's just all, all over the Internet, sermon after sermon after sermon. And I would, I would, I would click in on the, on the sermon and, and read their, their, you know, read it, read part of it or whatever the introduction was. And it was all saying, going to the New Testament, Old Covenant, and talking about, you, you know, the, you're supposed to be broke. You're supposed to be broken like that. And, and this is, you know, and the benefits of being broke. But it was all Old Covenant stuff. And there was nothing in there. It was just like, the, you know, you can, you, can, you, can, you, know, you can make it if you just hang in there. And, and I want to make a statement that I made last Sunday is most people tend to make salvation about getting to heaven, the way to heaven. And, and Jesus said salvation is really the way back to the Father. And a lot of people have trouble with this because they cannot relate to the love of the Father because of their experiences or lack thereof with their natural father. And then they'll, they'll, they'll just, you know, tell you, well, I had this or I had that. Man, if I, and I won't do it just for the sake of whatever, but I could, and if it wasn't getting broadcast everywhere. But listen, I, I could, in other words, this is how I'd approach it. I could start saying all the things that I saw experienced with my natural life. With my parents. My dad's with the Lord. Man, we went through some stuff now. But you don't see it up here when I'm talking. You don't see it in me. You, you, you don't see what I've been through. You don't know me. I've been through more. I've been through stuff that a lot of folks have been through. Half of what I've been through have taken their life. But you don't. You, where do you see it at? You don't see it, because that's not my confession. Because I wasn't given a broken spirit. I know what it is to be the oldest in the family, and I mean, just you know, I'm just, I just, I don't want to go there. But I'm talking about some rough stuff. Our family wasn't born speaking in tongues. You know what I'm saying? And I want to tell you, you remember stuff like that. I, 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 uh, I was having to work in, in uh, Vidalia the other day. And I went to the third, fourth, and fifth grade in Vidalia. And uh, back before it was famous for onions. You know what I'm saying? But I was coming right into town. And I knew, you know, and I... I knew right where we lived, you know, and, and I had done that a couple times. I hadn't been, you know, I don't go to Vidalia that much, so I went, you know, and I turned on that street, and I went up that street and, and, and pulled in right there at that house we lived in. We rented the house. And now back in, in, in those years, <laughs> way back then, that was the, we, we thought that was just a nice, that was a nice house. 
nice little brick house, little three-bedroom, uh, one-bath brick house, though, but had a little carport, you know, you could pull your car under. And I remember Dad and Mama thought they was rich renting that house, you know. And uh, he got transferred up there on his job, and, and we moved up there. And, uh, man, I love that little neighborhood. It's amazing when you pull up and you're looking around. Everything looks so huge when you was a kid, and now it's like it's so small now. It's like that means I've got bigger. <laughs> Managed to ride that banana seat bicycle with the chopper things on it, you know, and, and uh, uh, yeah, man, I, and, and get me some cars and, 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 and uh, you know, put that little click in the wheel, you know, where it clicked when I drove it down there and all, all that kind of stuff. You don't know what I'm talking about. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and, and we had, we had and I pulled up in there and I found myself sitting there just, and I could pull up in the yard because the little house, was, the house looks like a dump now, you know, and uh, they ain't changed nothing on the outside. And it's like the neighbor, you could just spit and hit the neighbor's house right behind it. I didn't remember it being that close when I lived there. And, and I pulled up, and, and it's for rent again. Had a for, uh, for sale, for rent, for sale, whatever, and a sign in the yard. So nobody was living there, so it allowed me to pull up in there. And I found myself sitting there, and tears started coming. But you know what I remember most about the house? Not good times. I remember seeing some stuff that I didn't want to see. Hearing some stuff that I didn't want to hear. And I'll tell you, as a kid, and even as an adult, you can remember, see, if, in other words, as parents, if you knew, and I don't mean this to make nobody feel guilty, I'm just saying, think about it before you go to war. Have a plan before you get there. But man, that stuff you do when your kids are that small, man, they don't, they remember it. You beating the hell out your wife or the wife beating the hell out you, I mean, they remember that stuff, man. And they're going to remember that more than what you've got them for Christmas. Because that's a wound that goes deep. That gift on Christmas morning don't necessarily go that deep, but that hurt goes deep in there. And where it goes in is that soul. You, you know, emotion. Well, didn't God give us the, our emotions that we have? No. God didn't give you them emotions that's tearing you all to pieces. Adam gave you that. Y'all better understand that the Bible says that we, that Adam is our daddy. If God was your daddy, you wouldn't have to get saved. But Adam reproduced according to his kind, to himself. We are products of Adam's brokenness. Therefore, we need salvation. We were born broken. We were born broken. We were born in sin. We were born dead in trespasses and in sin. So, so we were created according to Adam. That's what the Bible says, Genesis 5. Read it, check it out. I mean, we were born according to Adam. And so God didn't give us all this stuff that we're dealing with. Flawed, messed up emotions that are hurting. No, he didn't, he didn't do that to us. And what God's doing is, is, is putting back what was broken. But not putting that old thing back, but giving us a new creation new life and, it, and again it was not so much that we needed forgiveness because that was given to everybody at the cross but it is it, it is that we needed life I've come that they might have life and not only to have life but have abundant life God wants you to have life and when you're looking around at your life and you're going this ain't life then that should just say okay I'm believing the wrong thing 
And we got to get out of this deal, guys. I'm telling we. I didn't say you. I said we got to get out of this deal where we think that salvation means I'm going to have every day as a perfect day. I'm not going to have any problems. God did not save you so you'll have a perfect day every day with no problems, no, no, no stress or no difficulties, no challenges. No, this ain't heaven. But God, did, he, and he never promised you you wouldn't have any trouble. All that live godly shall suffer persecution in this world. There will be people that will hate you, Jesus said, because they hated me. They're going to hate you. But when the Bible says take up your cross and follow me, he's not talking about crucify yourself daily. Like, he's not talking about that. Your crucifixion means nothing. But when he's saying take up your cross now and follow me, he's talking about Whose cross, who cross, whose cross accomplished life? Take up your cross. Take up what? I'm going to take up my cross. What's my cross? What Jesus did on the cross. I'm taking up my cross, which is his righteousness. I'm going to take that on. I'm going to take up my cross. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to claim his righteousness. I'm going to claim his forgiveness. I'm going to claim his life. I'm going to take up my cross. I'm going to follow him. That, that's my daily uh, a claim. I'm, I'm going to take up my cross. What is my cross? It's his cross. Because I was crucified with him. I was buried with him. I was resurrected with him. Taking up my cross is not, Dale's got a cross over here somewhere that he needs to bear for God. Try to pay God. No, no, no. It ain't self-infliction. It ain't trying to do, it's denying myself the, 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 the blasphemous right to claim that I have any claim other than what the Jesus accomplished on the cross. I'm not going to claim anything. I don't have anything to offer God other than what Jesus has already paid for us. Is this making any sense? And, but we, we, we have this thing. It's still in the church. First John chapter 2, verse 15 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I devoted the whole chapter to this verse in my book, but listen to me. This is not how it's read See, that's why Jesus said in the New Testament, he says, take heed how you hear. How you hear. He didn't say, he said, take heed how you hear. How, how, how could people meet Jesus face to face? I'm talking about the, 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 people, the Jewish people. How could they, and, and the Gent, some Gentiles too, I, I guess. In other words, but how could people physically, 2,000 years ago, meet Jesus, see Jesus, he's close to those speakers, he's talking to people, he's preaching and ministering, how could they see him and reject him? You ever think of that? I mean, how can they be that close? How could they touch him? He, I mean, how, could, how, could, how can you do that? How could you be exposed to God in the flesh and reject everything he says? Because, because take heed how you hear See, if you hear everything as a Democrat, then you hate everything a Republican as well. If you hear, if you hear everything as a, as a Republican, you hate everything that a Democrat. You, see, you understand what I'm saying? That's why this world's in the mess it's in. It's not what's being said, it's how you hear. You can tell us, that's why a lot of times when I'm talking to people, I like to say, now when I get through, what did you hear me say? What did you hear me say to you now? And what I just said, you, what did you hear me say? I know what I said. I just don't know what they heard. That's true. I, I, I know what I said to you. 
people all the time, Brother Dale, I remember when you preached this and you said that. I ain't never preached that and I said that. I get that all the time. Brother Dale, I remember when you preached this and you said this. I ain't never preached that or said that. That's what you heard. Because it had to come through your, what I said had to pass through your screen door to get inside you in the house. It had to come through your filter. It had to come through your hurt. It had, see, some people, if you've been hurt by a man, I'm minus 10 just to look at you. Because I is a man. I ain't a baby girl. <laughs> I'm a man. So I, you, you, you are hurt because you're offended because I'm a man. Well, I don't receive ministry from men because men is the ones that hurt me. Well, then that means you don't receive ministry from Jesus because Jesus is a man. Or he came as a man. Jesus didn't come as a woman. He came as a Jewish man. God is not man. God is not woman. God is a spirit, John 4. But when God became flesh, he took on the flesh of a man. So you can't allow your wounds and those hurts that happened in that soulless realm, and you can't allow yourself now that you're born again to be convinced by somebody with a Bible and a microphone that you're still broke. And you have to start confessing because this is how you come out of that addiction. This is how you come out of that alcoholism. This is how you come out of that abusive bondage and stuff. And that stuff has trailed you like a hound dog all these years. It's not because you got less than the other guy on the other side of the church. It's not because God give him more and you less. You both got the fullness of God. And you are complete in him. You lack nothing. There's nothing missing. There's nothing deficient. There's nothing broken. You are perfect in your spirit. He, he, is, he is the perfecter of the saints. He says he has perfected us. We are perfect in our spirit, not in our soul and body. I get that. Don't send me no email. I understand that. You the one don't understand it. But you have to start confessing what God did for you on the inside. And it goes from the inside to the outside, not the outside to the inside. You don't get your stuff together. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not while we were yet getting it together and while we yet get our, mm -mm, no, while you were yet a sinner. Not even thinking about me. Christ Jesus died and demonstrated his love for you. You do not access the love of the Father through your natural Father. You access the love of God through his Son. And so what this scripture says here in 1 John 2.15, this is how I always thought it said in the church that I grew up in, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anybody loves the world, the love for the Father is not in him. Your problem is you don't love God enough. And if you love God more, you wouldn't love the things of the world. And therefore, you're so worldly, and worldliness has crept into the church. Therefore, because people don't love God enough. And your main problem is if you loved God more, you would sin less and have less problems. Hallelujah. <laughs> Whatever. Now you can preach that. You can preach that down, man. You can hoop that all over the place, but it's all a lie. The Bible does not say your problem is you need to love God more. It says if you love the world, if anybody loves the world, the problem that they're why they're so in love with the world. It says the love of, not the love for, the love of the Father. Is not in him. In other words, it hasn't been revealed to him how much God loves them. If you just reveal to a person, if by the power of the Holy Spirit helping you, if, you, if they can just see how much God loves them, if they see that, 
They won't love the world. See, the problem is not preaching against the world. The problem is get exposed to how much God loves you. See, if you find something you like better, you'll keep doing the better and let the lesser go. When you meet the love of your life, you let all them other women go. Reason you're still fishing because you ain't caught yet. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? That's why Jesus nailed this man. Matthew 23, 9, Jesus said, Do not call anyone on earth your father. For one is your father, he who is in heaven. Now, see, it doesn't really... Yeah, it does. All right. Notice that the first father is not capitalized. Notice that the second father is capitalized, which is scripturally accurate. So he said, don't call anybody on earth your father. That means where you come from. In other words, you are a derivative or product of your natural father. He said, don't, don't, don't claim that any longer. Don't say that you come from them. Because you were crucified, buried, and resurrected. Now you come from me. And my address is heaven. I'm, I'm your father now who is in heaven. You're going to mail something, mail it to heaven because that's where I'm from. That's your daddy now. Now this is not, I mean, maybe you did discover your, your, the, the father's love for you through your natural father. and You had a great natural father that was able to convey and display the father's love to you in measure. Great. Good job. Thank you. Hallelujah. But not everybody got your story. Some people don't have no father, earthly. Don't even know who they were. Some people had abusive fathers. Some people had fathers that did things that were far from being godly and far from expressing the love. Some people's father never. And so this is what I've heard a lot. Man, I've been waiting all my life for my father to say those words. I'm proud of you, son. Really. Well, that sucks for you, man, that you've had to spend your whole life waiting on them little words. Because you didn't have to because you're complete in him. Now, it can, it can be good, and, and, and it can bring some, some, and it probably brings more healing to, that, to the dad that would say that to the son than it would be to the born-again son. In other words, the born-again son didn't have to hear that to be whole because he knows he's already complete in Christ, and he knows who his father really is, and he's complete in him, and nothing's missing and broken, and he's not living his life waiting every day for his natural dad to come say those words, I love you, because he knows his heavenly father says, I love you, son, and that's good enough. And so when, when somebody that, listen, I don't mean, but some, when somebody knows that they're complete, and then let's say they did have an abusive dad. Maybe he never did tell him he loved him, and he never put his arms around him, and he never said, I love you. But if you live your life broken because of that, if you're living decade after decade wanting and pleading and wanting your natural dad to see, see some of our natural dads just gone in the grave. They ain't going to be able to come back and say nothing. You can go out to the grave and you can kneel on the tombstone and you can wrap your arms around the granite, and I've done a little bit of that, but they're not going to be able to talk to you, man. They're not going to be able to make the wrongs right. Say, I shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have said that. Shouldn't have behaved like that. 
I don't need that now to get healed. I'm not waiting on that because that ain't going to happen. That train done gone, left the station. You understand? But Jesus, Jesus did it. He said, you are complete in me. There's nothing missing. Stop claiming missing pieces that ain't there. Stop praying for what I've already given you. You're not broken. That's a, that's a philosophy of men. That's a tradition of men. That's commiserating things that happened. Yeah, they were bad. I, were not, I was not for that, God would say to you. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't desire your pain. I didn't plan your pain. I didn't plan your abuse. But now you are born again. You have been given life from me in me. You are in me, Christ in you. you, you if any man's in Christ, you, it, stop claiming stuff that's not true for you any longer. So here, here, you know, and I, I know I'm on this, man, because I can feel it. I, I know what I'm supposed to do. I got to get this baby out of here. Been on me. I'm, I met with, we met with uh, Wes and Crawford and some, what was that, Crawford? When was that? Friday, I guess. Did I talk about this Friday? <laughs> it's, it's, it's in me, man. But, you know, I, I, they didn't even ask for it, and I was wanting to give it. But I said, this thing that goes for ministry that keeps reminding Christians now, Christians, that there's something missing, something broken, that they're still broken even though they're born again, you're not. Now, I, I, I'm not saying there's not room for healing in your soul. But you know what heals your soul? It's not somebody, it's when you believe the truth. Because you, then, you, then you, when you believe the truth, then, see, I can't just live claiming all the hurts that I went through as a kid. Man, I got them. And the way your mind works, I can still remember them. There's things that I judge as this or that between siblings, favoritism, abuse on my part. I didn't get the same deal because you're the oldest. Well, oldest ain't supposed to be no penalty. I didn't get a choice on whether I was the oldest or not. And, you know, like, all right, you're in charge. You know, you're in charge, you know, and you, if anything happens, it's going to be on you. It, then you got a two-year younger brother and then another four-year younger sister, and you're supposed to be in charge. Then people don't hee-haw when you holler stuff. Come back in the house, tore all the pieces. You know, dad left me in charge. I don't care what. You ain't my dad. You want to tell me what to do? All, all them kind of things growing up. Everything's different. And you remember, I don't know, it's just a bad kind of a deal because our, our ability to recall the information is we can remember the bad a lot better than we can remember the good. And that's just because of the flawed thing that we were born into. But what I'm trying to get you to do is some of you really need to do that, man. You need to stand, you need to stand every day and point at yourself in the mirror, not out of some... You need to confess what the Word of God says. You are complete in Him. Because some of you have been taught that you are broken, that there's still something missing. And, uh, and, and it's not. Now, when Paul wrote this letter to the Colossians, I mean, buddy, he went after anxiety that was in the hearts of insecure believers. And uh, if your focus has been on what you are lacking, it's not that you lack anything, because I've already gave you scriptures that says you don't. But what you lack is just belief in the truth. So in other words, your problem is not lack. Your problem is unbelief. 
you are complete in him. So when you recognize that in Christ you lack nothing good that's been given to you. In Christ you've received, the Bible says, every spiritual blessing that there is. In Christ you have been brought to the fullness of God. And so you have to stop wallowing in unbelief. And sometimes you need a strong word like what I'm trying to deliver to you to kind of shake you out of that. And instead of asking Jesus to do what he's already done, then thank him for what he has done. And, and, and thank Jesus that, that you are righteous and thank Jesus that you are holy and thank Jesus that you are eternally pleasing to God. Thank Jesus that I am forgiven of all my trespasses and, and thank God that I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. I thank you for that, Lord. And if, you, and if you start thanking him for that, confessing that, then you'll start living out of that. John chapter 4, 14, Jesus talking to the woman at the well. Amazing thing he said to her. Now he's come to bring the new covenant. And he says to this woman, he said, if... He said, whoever drinks of the water that I'll give them will never thirst. All right, let's just pause there for a second. That's either true or not. Now, is he talking about natural water at that natural well? No. He's talking about living water, right? He's talking about the living water, everlasting life he's talking about here. And then in verse uh, John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus said to them, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. So he just told this woman she'll never thirst. He said, now she shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst, shall never thirst. Okay? Come to church, and here we go. How many of you are hungry for God today? How many is thirsty for the Lord? How many is hungry for a move of God? I want to know if you're hungry. Are you hungry? <laughs> are you hungry for God today? Are you thirsty for the, if you ain't thirsty, it's because you ain't licked the salt block of the kingdom enough. Whatever. Man, these preachers, boy. I told God he just should have sent angels to preach this stuff and just pure water trying to come through impure vessels is something else, I tell you. And and so we, we focus on it. And I was raised on that. And so I thought it was a sin not to be hungry, you know, hungry, thirsty. Uh, Ephesians 1.23, the Bible says the fullness of him who fills all in all is what's been given you. John 1.16, listen to this one. And his fullness we have all received and grace for grace. Whoo, that's a shouting one right there. He, he have received, not his halfness. What we do in church I grew up, and it was just out of ignorance. It was just out of ignorance, and it was out of a lack of revelation of the grace of God and the goodness of God. All right, who wants a double portion of the Holy Ghost tonight? Who get in this double portion prayer line? Y'all line up. Get the oil, boys. We finna lay hands, and you want a double portion, ask God for a double portion, and he'll give it to you. Ah! Line them up, boys. And we'd line them up and said, now you hungry for God? Do you really want this? Do you want a double portion of the Holy Ghost tonight? Yeah, preacher, I want it. Ah! <laughs> Woo! Drag them aside and cover them up. Bring me the next one. I'm the double portion giver. I got a double portion anointing. I got two hands. I know I'm being... I'm sick of all that mess, man. We need to get that mess out of the church. 
I'm just preaching for the Facebook people. Y'all preachers, y'all need to cut all that out, man. You ain't no double portion giver. I don't want double. Give me five times in blessing the Benjamin. Doubles Joseph. Give me Benjamin. That's five times. If we're going to have a prayer line, let's have a five-time prayer line there. Ain't nothing to all that. You can stir people's emotions up. What matters is when they walk out of that church, what they believe. Now, see, if you can give me a double portion, that means I'm lacking something. If my prayer is, God, I need more of you, then I'm saying he didn't give me all of him. And I'm really saying, whether intentional or not, he's lied. Because I just read to you where you got the fullness. Over and over. Why does Paul go to so much trouble to say over and over you got the fullness? You are complete in him. You're not complete in your manifestation of him. Neither am I. I understand that. But as far as me living my life now and me going to drape over an altar and beg and plead for what I've been given, I'm not going to do that anymore. I believe in hanging out with God, man. I believe in prayer. You can call it soaking, whatever. I'm, I'm gonna get mad with you about all that stuff. I believe in spending time with God, and I've I've never came away from just saying, God, I just want to hang out with you. Now, what do I mean? Is God not there? Is He gonna come down and get up? You know, get a cup of coffee and hang? No, no. God's in me. But when I say what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna focus on totally on you. I'm switching the cell phone off. I'm not gonna look at Facebook. I'm just me and you. I just want to hang out with you, God. And I just want to say to you that I'm here, Papa. If there's anything that you want to say, or like I'm gonna go to church today, and you know if there's somebody in there that's really hurting or something like that 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 needs you know the the truth of something spoken into their heart, you know that you want to use a word to them or something like that, then I just want you to know that I'll be glad to be your mailman and deliver that for you and uh, whatever you want me to do. That I love you, Papa, and I want them people to know what a great dad you are and how much you love them. And so I just want to hang out with you and kind of just steal myself and focus on you and just want to spend a little time. And I'm not here to ask you for nothing. And I just want to thank you for loving me. And I thank you for getting this grace message in my heart. And I thank you that I've got all things that I need that's been gifted to me through Christ Jesus. I thank that I've got the fullness of God. I thank you that I have the mind of Christ, so help me to use that mind that's been given to me. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to beg you to feel me because I got filled when I got you. So I just want to pray that the Holy Spirit will flow out of me and out to these people. I thank you, Lord God, for all these things you've given me. I thank you you'll never leave me nor forsake me, but you'll go with me all the way through whatever I'm facing, whatever difficulty. You didn't tell me I'm not going to have some tough times and difficult times and lean times, but you said you would be with me through all those times. You said you would never leave me nor forsake me, but I will go with you all the way even to the end of the world. God, I want to give you some praise for doing that right now, and you're always for me. You're always on the inside of me. You're always working all things together for my good. Father, I want to praise you. See that? You see how that works? You can't do that and stay depressed, huh? No, baby, you can't do that. Uh -uh. You start doing that, you're going to get your praise on. Forget the CD. I don't need one. I got my own. It's a whole different way of living. That's why you don't see my wounds. You don't Because I'm not wounded no more. I'm not broken no more. Devil try. That's why so many bad things happen to little kids. Because the devil's got this deal. It's like the Bible. He, 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 it's like when in Revelation chapter twelve, when that when that woman gave birth to that man child, the dragon was waiting on it. What he wants to do is just he wants to bring the most hurt that he can to a person when they are as young as they possibly can be, because that brings the greatest wounds in their life. He wants to hurt them right out of the gate. 
He wants to hurt the two-year-old, the three-year-old, the four-year-old. He wants to hurt them. He wants to hurt them. Jesus come to heal you. He come to deliver you. So I understand things are different. And I'm not saying that the word broken. I mean, sometimes people can use that and a preacher can use the word brokenness now and it would be very appropriate and proper. Okay? So don't, let's don't get weird. There's a ditch on both sides. But what I'm talking about and what I'm going after is don't tell a New Testament, born-again, spirit-filled believer that they're still broken and somehow that they lack something or they have a deficiency or that they need more of Jesus than they've got. They don't. They just need to yield themselves to what's been put in them. And, to, and the first step is to believe that it is in there, that I am complete in him. I may not look complete to you. I may not look complete to myself, but I'm complete in him. Everything that I ever needed pertaining to life and godliness has been granted to me through Christ Jesus, my Lord and Savior. I, I, there's not another Christian sitting across the church that's got a better deal than I got. I got the same Holy Ghost that he got. I got the same feeling of the Spirit that he got. I got the same opportunity that he got. And you just God doesn't have favorites. He doesn't have grandkids. He just has sons and daughters. That's all he's got. Okay? And so I don't mean this mean, and I know sometimes we sing these songs, and listen, and a lot of songs, not that we sing them here anymore, but a lot of songs are soulish uh, in origin, so to speak, and people like that because they like, they like that to be petted. Uh, but I, I, I mean, this song came out way back in, I don't know, 90 something, but, it, you know, I just remember because I wore it out at my prayer cabin. I'm desperate for you. I'm desperate for you, Lord. And... Uh, this is the air that I breathe, the song went. This is, you, you, this is my daily breath. And, and so I'm just so desperate for you, God. And so I felt like that if I needed to go and I needed to pray in, in agony and in hunger and thirst and desperation and just tell God I was desperate for him and I hope he'd give me some of him. Because obviously I was lacking something because I wasn't doing signs, warnings, miracles like, you know, like, you know, whatever. So I'm just, and then, and we had desperation conferences, Desperation Conference. Come to our Desperation Conference and we tell you we're looking for people that are desperate for God. Are you desperate for God? You know, and all that. And so we, we're programming them. We don't mean to. We're brainwashing them. We're programming them. And, uh, and so then I, I looked up the word desperate. It says feeling, showing, or involving a hopelessness, a situation, a sense that a situation is so bad as to be impossible to deal with. Having little hope of success. That's the definition of desperate. Now, does that sound like a born-again New Testament believer? A state of despair, another, trans, another dictionary said. Typically one that results in rash or extreme behavior. I, you are not desperate for God. God did not save you and leave you in a desperate position or desperate situation uh, if you're born again, you're never desperate again. You're, and listen, and you're never hopeless again. Now listen to me. Listen to me, New Testament believers. Listen to me. Any area in your life that is devoid of hope is an area in which you are believing a lie. Did you hear what I said? Any area of your life that seems hopeless, devoid of hope, you're filled with despair, 
is an area. This is no condemnation. It's just simply an acknowledgement that there is something about your life in that area that you are believing a lie about. That's the reason we do ministry. We believe in ministry. We, we, we've, I got trained myself in theophostic ministry. Theo meaning God. Phostic means light. And the purpose of that ministry is to yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit and to allow the Holy Spirit to bring God's light to that lie in your life. In other words, in the Old Covenant, when Elijah is depressed and begging to die, spirit of suicide is on him. And God kept coming to that cave and saying, son, what's wrong with you? And he just said, I'm the only one left. I tried to get this done. Jezebel told me she's going to kill me in 24 hours. Who was I to think I was better than my forefathers? I'm no better than my dad or granddad. I can't get this done. I can't whoop this alcoholism. I can't whoop this drug addiction. I can't whoop this poverty. I can't do no better than they did. I can't live like no better than they did. Who was I to think I could break out of this? God just says, you're not the only one left. I got 7,000 besides you that's never bowed their knee to Baal one time. He like, what? I ain't never heard that sermon preached. You mean I'm complete in him? You mean I have the fullness of God? You mean nothing's missing or broken or wounded? Or I don't need more of you. I got all of you. Well, I just I get up out of this cave then. Where you want where you want me to go, God? All right, now I want you to hunt down this dude named Elisha. And I want you to lay hands on that brother, because he's gonna do double what you did. You did seven miracles, he's going to do 14. He did, it's in the book. He don't say them words, that's what he did, though. I need you to get back to ministry, son. It ain't all about you. I got somebody else that's coming along. And not only I want you to know this dude named Elisha, there's this guy named Jehu. I want you to find him and lay hands on him, too. Because, you know, Jezebel, she's trying to be all that in a bag of chips and, a, and, a, and you know, all that demonic stuff she's doing. Uh, one day, uh, uh, Jehu's going to ride up on his, on his horse to her palace. And she's going to have all the makeup on. She's going to be batting them long eyelashes. She's like, what you doing, J.U.? What you doing? <laughs> and then, she, and then, and then, and then uh, Jezebel got all them eunuchs around her. I don't know if you know what a eunuch is. That brother's missing some equipment. <laughs> so now he's just a servant to her, but he can't serve her. You understand what I'm saying? So that's what the devil does. He takes away your ability to reproduce. He makes you a slave. And he castrates you and makes you a servant to him. And now all you can do is just model around him. Yes, sir, what you want me to do? Yes, sir, you want me to do it? Yes, yes, sir. And so now uh, Jehu rides up on his charger, though. And he says, chunk her down, boys, chunk her down. Throw her down. That's South Georgia, but that's what they say. Chunk her down. Throw her down. Grab hold. I know you don't think you feel like you got no power because of what she done to you. I know you think you don't have any ability to break this thing, to get free of this thing because of what your history has been. But I'm telling you, in you is the power that you can grab hold of that Jezebel and you can throw her out that window. I don't need to come up there and throw her out myself. 
I don't need to come up there. I don't need to get in that powerful man's prayer line because he's my, Jesus is my savior. Jesus is my deliverer. Jesus is the one that put the power on the inside of me if I would just believe the truth. So he said, throw her down. And so all of a sudden, they're, they're believing the sermon that they're hearing preached. Jehu's the preacher. Do y'all follow me? So they believe the truth and they rise up. Wait a minute, I'm tired of serving this woman. I ain't finna do this no more. And they grab hold of that addiction. They grab hold of that alcoholism. They grab hold of that pornography and perversion. They grab hold of whatever your deal is. They grab hold of that and they throw her out the window. And lo and behold, she went right on out the window. They thought she was something else, but she, she hit the ground just like everybody else would have hit the ground. That devil ain't near as powerful as you think he is. He's been disarmed at the cross. The principalities have been defeated. He's been disarmed. Throws her down. Now, I know you may not like the imagery here, but the Bible says when they throwed her down, Jehu just brought his horse over there and just walked on her with his horsey. Huh? That was the end of her. See, Elijah thought, I got to do it all. You ain't got to do it all. Just stay in the stream of what God's doing. Because see, it might not be you that gets it done. It might be Jehu. Huh? It might not, it might not be you that gets to see everything. It might be an Elisha that's going to come from your hands, from your input, from the life. Because Elisha saw you go through tough times and didn't quit. He saw you run to the cave, but he also saw you walk out the cave. What made you walk out the cave? Did some powerful man come lay hands? No, he was told the truth by God. No, you're not the only one. See, you're believing a lie, Elijah. That's why you're depressed. That's why you want to commit suicide. That's why you want to hurt yourself. Because that's why you want to cut yourself. That's why you want to overdose yourself. That's why you want to take what wasn't even yours because your life is not your own. You've been bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. The first lie you believe is this my life. I'm it's my, my own. No, it's not your life. Your life was a gift from God. You're, you're not your own. It ain't for you to decide what to do with yourself. And suicide is you taking something that didn't belong to you in the first place. You're not your own. That's not your life. God gave you that. He gave you that. And you need to believe the truth. And so what does God do? He hits the brother with a dose of truth. Man, you're believing a lie. That's, why, that's, the, that's the root of all your depression, your suicide thoughts, all your problems is rooted in you believe a lie about yourself. You believe I'm the only one. God said, bro, you ain't the only one. You ain't the only one. I'm the only one that's ever gone through. No, you ain't. All things are all common to all people. You've not had it tougher than nobody else. And I promise you, you can find somebody that's had it tougher than you. Yeah, I can find somebody that have it better than you. That's your problem right there. You got stinking thinking. You got food in your belly? Thank you, Jesus. Got a warm place to sleep last night on a cold night? Thank you, Jesus. How many times do you hear me tell you that, baby girl? I'll, I'll say to her, man, it'd be cold like it was. And I just say, man, ain't it good, baby, to have a nice warm place to stay on a cold night? You ever slept under a bridge or something? Yeah, a couple times. You don't need to hear about that. But it's just nice to have a place. Just nice to have a place. And you know who I give credit for providing all that? Him. I try to live like that. She knows I have my moments. I, I, there's, there's sometimes I've had in my life where I can look at 360 and I can't see nothing but dark. That's why I need somebody to holler in there like Paul did to the Philippian jailer. Do yourself no harm. We're still in here. God's still in you. God's still for you. God's still got you. 
It's going to be all right. I know all you see is dark right now, but that dark is a lie. Because the light of God is in you. The fullness of God is in you. The Holy Spirit of God is in you. Christ the Son is in you. That's the hope of glory. Just a whole different deal. Man, I feel like I've come a little bit too strong today. But I don't, okay, well, thanks. Thanks for that. Thanks for that. I just felt this thing building all week. I love how this thing works called preaching. I don't know. It's just amazing to me. I remember times, you know, after 34 years of preaching out the same book, you feel like you done preached it all. But no way. Ain't even got started. Because God's got a fresh message every Sunday for, for, for somebody. Like T.D. Jakes always said, I don't know who I'm preaching to. <laughs> He's preaching to somebody. Brother, can get it done, can't you? But you know what? I really pray today that you leave here today confessing who you are. Confessing what God's done for you. And just really, I just feel that so strong. You are completing him. I wish I'd have got that truth a long time because I'd have stayed out of a lot more caves. And I'd have stayed out of a lot more stuff if I had known that I was complete. But I was always trying to get what I already had. So I would pray the prayer, Lord, please be with me today. Instead of thanking him, Lord, I thank you that you're always with me. <laughs> it's, it's, it's different. I would pray for the mind of Christ instead of thanking him that I had received the mind of Christ. I would pray for the anointing to be on my life instead of thanking him for the anointed one that lives on the inside of me and for the anointing which you have received, you need no man to teach you because I'm your teacher. Instead of be beriding and claiming and I wish I had this or that, or some people would say, well, I wish I had a father or a better. No, I, don't. I have a heavenly father that loves me. And God said, no, that's why don't you call nobody else no more your father. I'm your father. You know that old statement, who's your daddy? That's a good, that's a real good thing. I need to ask you that, who's your daddy? I don't mean you don't claim your natural dad. I love my natural dad. I miss the fire out of him. I do. And in my heart and my soul, I miss him. I can't believe he's been gone. I sat there last night, my wife, I had this few little minutes. You know, I do weird stuff, man. You don't want to hear about my life. I was sitting there, and uh, I was just thinking, you know, when you get my age now, at least me, this is what I do. I don't know what you do. But I'm thinking about how much time I got left. I don't know if that's a healthy way of thinking. I, I don't mean like in a depressed way. I just mean I just want to make every day count. But I am thinking about my heritage, where I've come from. You know, uh, my great-grandmother was Cherokee, full-blooded Cherokee, they, they said. I never met her because she died in 1928, I think it was. But I was able last night just sit there with my little iPad in my lap, and I was just looking up. I put on a program, you know, it was about Trail of Tears, some of that. I was watching a little bit of that last night. Not to, you know, commiserate, you know, or get mad because what you white peoples did to me, to my peoples. <laughs> what a, you know what I'm, I'm just saying, I was just looking, and I was able to find the graves of my family. A picture of them. A lot of them are buried over in Coffee County. And I saw my grandmother Hutto's grave. I had a picture of her grave. I could, you know, make it, pull it up and see the, it was just pretty neat. And I was sitting there last night, and, you know, thinking about that. And, uh, and it talked about, you know, this program I was watching, you know, and a lot of you heard of Trail of Tears and stuff like that, and, and maybe gone to that program up in the mountains up in Cherokee. 
and, and I do, there, there's part of me that I'm glad that I know that, that, that you know, that I, in my, today, I, I'm part Cherokee. And if you looked at my granddaddy, he looks, you, you just know that guy. <laughs> and that's where all my family was. And my mom, you say, well, your mom's got blonde hair. <laughs> um, she didn't get that from, she got that from the drugs, though. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know what I mean by that. But it'd be black if she let it go, you know. And, uh, and both her brothers, you know, got one still living down in Bradenton, Florida. But just Cherokee Indian, is, you know, as they can be. But I'm saying you can take things like that and you can, you can, you can live out of the hurt and you can take on stuff that ain't even yours in the first place, so to speak, and you can live your whole life with a grudge on your shoulder, chip on your shoulder, with a, from a broken perspective of life, and, and then, you, then it gives you a cause. And a lot of people, everybody's wanting a cause. And, 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 I, and I don't mean this mean, but I've seen, I've literally seen this one time. I saw it one time, so I'm not making it up, but I saw a car that I pulled up behind. On one side, it had pro-life, I mean, uh, uh, pro-choice, which means they were for the, you know, abortion. And on the other side of the bumper, it had saved the seals. Now I'm thinking, now this person here will knock your head off if you hurt a seal. But think nothing about somebody taking the life of an unborn. But you go out there with a baseball bat and hit, hit a seal and kill it. Now I'm not saying you should do, <laughs> you don't want, you don't send me no letter. I love seals, especially Christmas seals. You know, no, you don't get. <clears throat> but I'm saying what you see in that is people will not help their neighbor, but they'll give $1,000 to save an owl in the Pacific Northwest. And I'm saying everybody needs a cause of some kind. But just be sure that the cause that you're on is the Lord's cause. David said, is there not a cause? Now, there's, everybody's always offering you a cause to get involved with. And, 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 and as noble and benevolent as they may be. But what's God called you to? The cause of Christ. To reflect and to bear his image to this world that so desperately needs to know that the reason the world is so appealing to you, man, is because the love of the Father hadn't yet been revealed to you properly. And as soon as you realize how much your father loves you, it's going to take care of all your natural daddy issues. It's going to take care of a lot of things because you're complete in him. You're complete in him. Amen? Stand with me. Would you receive the word today? Would you give God praise if you do? I want my elders and all prayer team to come, and we're going to quickly dismiss you. We're going to quickly dismiss you. Thank you for still coming to church on Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> Some people said they couldn't come because they had to get ready for their Super Bowl party. Hey, if that's, dude, hey, how about don't tell me that? I have to fight off depression when you tell me that. Preacher, I'll give you there. We got to kind of prepare. We got people. I Man, I want to hear that. Just lie and tell me you're sick and can't come. You know what I'm saying? Just, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Oh. But you know what, man? If you, <clears throat> if you, thank you. If you want, prayer today for any reason man you know we're always here to pray with you we believe in prayer we really do I believe in hanging out with God you can call it soaking whatever uh, you know sometimes I give people the impression that I'm not for that I am for I am for hanging out with God call it whatever whatever label you need to make you feel good about it that's good but I, I, I love that but but now I don't have to 
necessarily go to a certain geographic place all the time and, you know, I mean, that's cool and I love doing that. I, I, I don't ever, my wife would tell you, I don't ever come to this pulpit unless I go and spend some time on Sunday morning w- with the Lord, just hanging out. I'm, I'm not there. My sermon was done. On Sunday morning, I'm not worried about no sermon. I'm just trying to hang out with God a little bit before I come see you guys. And I'm just saying, Lord, I'm just open for you, you know, Papa, whatever you, you know, whatever you want. And I don't go from it like I ain't nothing. I'm a piece of trash. You know, God, how could you use me deal? I don't pray for the anointing because I always just say thank you. And I thank you that I have the anointing. Just help me to yield to that anointing that's on the inside of me. And help me not to yield to my natural mind but to the mind of Christ that you've gifted me with. And, Lord, I, I just I want to be a vessel that you could use today to help somebody see how good you are and what a good dad you are. And if they're going through stuff that they need that revelation personal to them where it would just, you know, kind of rock their world, I'd be cool if you'd use me to do that. I'd be glad to do it. And uh, I'd like to do it. And I just try to hang out with him. And there's times sometimes I see things and sometimes I don't. And I'm happy either way now. I used to not be happy if I didn't, but I'm happy. You know, if you want prayer, I always say, if you come, we'll pray with you. I'm happy. If you don't want to come and get prayer, we're still happy. It's not the ebbs and flows. It's just steady as she goes, Jesus. And now when I go through tough times, I still sometimes freak out. I don't, I'm not proud of that. I'm just trying to be human to you, okay? I'm not proud of that, and I'm not endorsing that. And I'm not making a, a path for that. But I'm saying it's better because now I'm complete in him. So, you, devil, you can't sell me that. You can't sell me that one no more. We close shop on that. That's done. And I'm just done with trying you trying to get me healed of something that I'm not healed, that I'm not broken about. I'm done with you trying to minister to me to put me back together when I'm not broke in the first place now. I'm just done with, you know, I know it's going to cut out on your ministry opportunities with me, but I'm just not going to do that no more. I'm just going to claim and confess my completeness. And I'm going to con- con- confess my fullness in Christ. And I pray that that radiates out and it does touch those areas that need healing in my soul those memories where they don't become the focus and the drive of my life. Amen. And I don't allow that to put me in some place where I'm waiting on another human to come to me to make me whole. I appreciate it. And I've had my natural dad say things to me about some of those things before he left this world. He said, son, I'm sorry about that. I wish me and your mom had lived different back then when y'all was little. I said, daddy, I appreciate that. But you ain't got to worry about that no more. And I told Dad, I said, you ain't going to worry about that. I don't know how many cards my wife would tell you that they would send to me. And Mama's still here, you know, but they would send me them cards. And in the cards, they would apologize, wouldn't they, darling? Because, see, that thing was trying to haunt them because they wasn't a good parent in their own view. And they were living in that misery of that. And they would send me a birthday card. And out to the side of the card, I'd tell me happy birthday. They'd write, son, I'm, I wish we'd lived a better life when you was a little fella. Wish we, me and your mom, hadn't done some of the things we'd done. Please forgive us. Y'all sent me five cards with this on it. I'm good. Jesus has made all that good. It's okay. I don't want y'all wallowing in that. We can all do, all of us would do better if we got another shot at it, wouldn't we? Or we think we would. (laughs) I don't know that we would, but we would try, wouldn't we? Forgive yourself as a parent. Forgive yourself as a parent. Stop holding yourself hostage because you wished you would have been a better dad or a mom or 
grandparent, whatever it was, but I feel that so strong. You need to forgive yourself. You can't go back and relive when they was three or five or you was addicted and this and that, whatever. I'm not saying it wasn't no big deal. It was a big deal, but Jesus come for big deals. That's why he came. Sin's a big deal. That's why he came. So you just need to forgive yourself. Parents are too quick to say, well, we must have done something wrong. We must have been a bad parent, therefore our child's doing this or that. We must have been a bad parent. We must have done it wrong. Got to stop that, man. That's the wrong way of thinking. Most of the time you did your best, didn't you? With what you knew then, you're going to have to let that ride. It ain't on you. It's on God. God's a pretty good parent. Y'all agree with that? He, he, he put them in paradise, so they had, listen, hang on. They had a good place to live. They had plenty to eat, everything, and that was his kids, Adam and Eve. Did they turn their back on their daddy? Did they do wrong? Did they mess stuff up? Did daddy still love them? Didn't make him a bad daddy, though, did it? He was perfect, put them in a perfect place called paradise, but they still messed up. Give you a little breathing room there. That didn't make God a bad daddy, just because they acted a fool. Neither does it make you a bad person just because your kids have turned and went another way. They can't go nowhere that the hand of God can't reach them. You hear me? Can't go nowhere. So forgive yourself because you're complete in him. You got the fullness. You hear me? That was strong right there, that last one. Strong. Walk out of here healed now. Complete in him. Ain't missing nothing. Okay. If you want prayer, come this way. If you don't, go that way. Shake some hands before you go, okay? Love you guys.